Let's do that hockey. Welcome to Dauber Prospects Report. This is report number 32. I'm Peter Harling, one of the co-hosts of the show. And with me this week will be no Victor Nuno. El Nuno is involved with a day job in trick-or-treating, so he had to tap out. I'll be joined by the producer, Evan Sabrin, for a little bit for the show. But it, otherwise, it's just going to be me and we'll have a guest on, Brock Hodden, talking OHL prospects. So that'll be fun. We'll get to that in a bit, but we'll get through the regular intro stuff here first. So don't forget that the Dauber Prospects Report is a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. We're really excited to be part of the Hockey Podcast Network team. There are so many great podcasts on their channel. Make sure you go and check them out at HockeyPodNet on Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it these days, and find some find some more shows and give give them five star reviews. Maybe tell them Dauber Prospects Report sent you when you sign up to their show. For all the shows like this one talking fantasy hockey or team coverage, you name it, they've got everything. You can also use the DraftKings promo code THPN for listening to this show. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. And as always, the DPR show is proudly sponsored by Fantrax. It's the ultimate league manager for any any dynasty sport you play. Totally customizable, however you want to set it up. We use Fantrax roster ship numbers throughout this episode and all episodes so if you're not in a, a fan tracks league, you really should get in on that. It is the best. You can use our promo code to sign up for a fan tracks league as well, which is fantrax.com forward slash DPR show. Let's get on with the show and talk to Brock Otten. We're pleased to welcome back Brock Otten, the uh, owner of the OHL Prospects blog and the director of scouting for McKean's Hockey. Welcome back to the podcast, Brock. How's it going? Yeah, good. Thanks, Pete. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, yeah. I see you every year at the draft and, you know, some other events like top prospects games and whatnot. But, you know, it's nice to meet you in person and, and keep the keep the link with the odd podcast guest appearance here and there, too. So today, if you haven't already figured out, we're talking about OHL prospects. Last week, we had uh, WHL prospects with Joel Henderson, and today we're going to focus on the O, and I couldn't think of anyone better to talk about OHL prospects than, than Mr. Auden here. So, so let's get right to it, and we'll kind of follow the same sort of template that we did with the dub, where we talk about a couple of draft-eligible prospects who are maybe making some noise on early rankings, and then we'll go into drafted prospects some players that maybe have low fan tracks ownership and off the hot starts guys you want to put on your watch list some sleeper prospects so the first guy we'll talk about is Saginaw Spirits right shot defenseman Zane Harikin so he's off to a hot start he's got nine games under his belt at least when I did the prep for this podcast on the weekend two goals 10 assists 12 points as a right shot defenseman 12 points in nine games last time I checked that was that was good Last year was his rookie season in the O. He had 21 goals as a rookie with 37 points in 67 games. That's more goals than assists for those needing help with the math, which is really unusual for a defenseman. Defensemen are usually not candidates for the Cy Young Award in hockey. This also broke the record for goals from a 16-year-old OHL defenseman in OHL history. So that's pretty noteworthy. Zero goals and three points in five Holinka games kickstart his draft year this this season so a not bad start to his draft eligible campaign uh, he's an a-ranked player by central scouting they just did their recent scouting first preliminary report not too long ago so we'll be referencing that with a bunch of these guys 
So I'm seeing him as a potential top 10 to 15 range guy, like a mid first round pick at this point, Brock, what do you like about his game and, and how can you see his status rising if at all? Yeah. Well, well, Preg is sort of that modern day NHL defender, right? Um, his game is predicated on his vision and his movement. He's a really good skater, not the biggest guy, but he's just a really creative and skilled puck mover. And it's interesting that you mentioned at the beginning, the whole Cy Young thing, right? Like defenders are usually definitely not candidates for that. And, and the reason that Perek is, is because he plays a very non-traditional nouveau new age style. And that is, definitely encouraged by the way that Saginaw plays as well. For those that aren't familiar with the Saginaw spirit, they've sort of embraced this new wave of hockey, this sort of positionless hockey. And, and it gives Breck sort of the freedom to be very aggressive, very active as an offensive player. It's, it's very common. And when I say very common, I'm talking about maybe once every game or once every two games to see Breck on a breakaway or leading a two-on-one. And that's just the way that Saginaw plays. And he is somebody who I think NHL scouts are going to have a bit of a tough time trying to figure out only because that system in Saginaw, the way that they play, no one in the NHL really has fully embraced that style yet. And teams are going to be wondering, well, yes, correct is skilled. Yes, he, he has all these great attributes. But how is that going to translate to the NHL level? How is he going to defend six foot four, 220 pound men in the corners in front of the net? And, and that's going to be sort of the thing that distinguishes whether he's in that sort of mid first round range, like, like you mentioned, or in that sort of late first, early second range, where we have seen some, some very talented defenders get selected in, in recent years. At the end of the day, <laughs> this is a guy that projects as a number one power play quarterback, as a really good offensive defenseman. I think the jury's still out uh, defensively, and it's going to be a long draft year. There's there's a lot for him to prove. I think that the one thing that I, I do think is very encouraging, even though he isn't the biggest guy, especially in terms of, of weight, he's pretty slight. I think the one thing that's very encouraging is that he has a bit of snarl to his game. He he doesn't back down from challenges. He will play aggressively. He's not winning a ton of those battles at this current <laughs> moment. But the, the effort and the engagement is there. And I think that's really, really important because as he adds weight, as he gains experience, he, he's going to learn how to leverage that better. And I think if he were, for lack of a better term, a little bit more soft, I'd be more concerned uh, about his transition to to the next level. But this is somebody who has extremely high offensive upside. And I know that, you know, this is one of the things that you focus on in this show. And, and he's probably one of the highest upside players, regardless of position in the draft this year. Okay, so a lot for me to unpack there. That was awesome. First of all, it sounds like Saginaw's playing him like a rover. A little bit of a throwback there to you, like way before my time, but that's a very interesting <laughs> strategy for Saginaw to have. I'm really now I have to watch some Saginaw games and they're going to be hosting the Memorial Cup this year, too. So he's got a ticket to the Memorial Cup one way or the other. That's interesting. 
You're saying that he's a very offensive defenseman, but he lacks a little bit of defensive refinement. Is it as bad as as Ryan Merkley or as no, good, no, as, as, good no. as Ryan Merkley offensive? Because he I, was like amazing offensive and brutal, brutal defensive. And then the uh, last I think, thing I wanted to unpack with that was you talk about his, it sounds like his compete. He has the will, but just not the way. And, it, you know, if he hits the gym and works out, that'll that'll catch up. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Merkley is is and was a very interesting case, right? Not only was Merkley lacking in the defensive sort of IQ department, but I, I felt like he was always lacking in the offensive IQ department too. And that's definitely not the case with Correct. He's a highly intelligent play creator. Rarely do you see him make a mistake with the puck. And that's that's a big thing. And yeah, you hit the nail on the head. It's it's there's a will, but not quite a way yet in terms of that physical engagement. But it's there. It's just not consistent because he does lack that strength. Saginaw, yeah. If you saw a little bit of the way that they used Pavel Minchukov uh, before they dealt him to Ottawa, they employed Parekh in a similar kind of way, right? It's it is a little bit in that rover sense. It's it's that freedom, right? It's it's I'm going to jump up in the play when I feel like I've got an opportunity to jump up in the play. I'm going to lead the attack and I'm going to play deep in the offensive zone when I get an opportunity to do that. Their forwards have to cycle back. Their forwards have to be very aware of what's happening because they do give their defenders a, a lot of freedom within that system. And that's why they're they're a really interesting and exciting team to watch. And and Chris Lazary, the, the coach there, has done a, a really, really good job of of making sure all the players have sort of bought into this style over the last few years. That's why they've had a lot of success. And it's part of why they were granted the Memorial cup this year, because the anticipation was that they were going to continue to, to have success. They've got some great young players that scouts are going to want to watch not only correct this year, but obviously Michael Misa, whose brother we're going to, I believe talk about later, but exceptional status player, Michael Misa is on that team as well. And yeah, I think that, Correct is definitely more of a, of a long-term project at the NHL level. But uh, again, massive, massive offensive upside. And staying with the defenseman here, guy who could be one of the first defensemen off the board next year's draft, Sam Dickinson, left-handed defenseman, 6'3", 193. Offensive stats were, were okay last year, but he's gotten off to a really hot start this year with 10 points in 12 games. What's your thoughts on him? He's a big boy. You think he could be probably one of the first uh, defensemen off the board? In my opinion, he should be. He's and maybe that's the OHL bias coming through, but I've seen a lot of the defenders in this class, and there's some really good ones. I'm not trying to take away from them or, or slight them in any way, but but Dickinson is just somebody that, to me, looks like a very long term top pairing NHL defender. Maybe not somebody who's sort of a, a perennial Norris candidate but somebody who can be a Darnell Nurse type, somebody who can be a really, really good two-way anchor for a long time. And I think there's still offensive upside there that he's still trying to unpackage and figure out. You know, maybe maybe he's more of an Alex Petrangelo. Maybe Nurse is sort of that downside. And to say that that's a downside is, is very impressive. And I think anybody who's seen Dickinson play knows how mature his game is. And I think that that was very evident at the Linka, especially where watching him play and, and even going over some of the tapes and stuff at the end of that tournament, 
there wasn't really a mistake he made over the course of that over the course of that tournament. It, it was almost a, a flawless performance, and he's somebody that physically, uh, I think. Probably could have even been ready for an NHL role this year. And I I know that that maybe is a bit of hyperbole, but this is a defenseman that not only is mature in terms of the way that he thinks the game and, and processes the game and plays, but also physically. And that's what really gives him a, a leg up. And for me, he's he's the top defender available. Yeah, it's interesting that he that he had so such a role with London in his rookie season because London famously like doesn't give rookies a lot of ice time. And you know, he was able to put up 62, sorry, 23 points in 62 games in London. The fact that he played 62 games is impressive, but it was as a defenseman, was able to score 23 points in that time. Tells you a lot. Yeah, it's not easy to earn Mr. Hunter's trust in London, like you said, right? And he was able to to work his way in. His ice time, his ice time did fluctuate especially later in the year, there were some playoff games where he got in others where he played pretty sparingly, but when he was given extra ice time for injuries or anything like that, he performed very well. And even with that limited time, the offensive production was impressive. And now that he's sort of assumed a very top role, or I know that's, that's a terrible way of putting it, but he's assumed a top three role. He's now a fixture within that London blue line. We're seeing the offensive production increase, right? And that was inevitable. I think anybody who saw Sam play last year knew that this was a guy that was going to have a, a monster year. There was there was just no doubt in my mind. And there's still no doubt in my mind that he is not only the top defender available, but without question, he's the top OHL player uh, available. I, I don't think there's anybody that's pushing him this year. All right. Sticking with our defenseman theme, our next guy up is Henry Mews. I don't know if you know this, but Pete hates defensemen in fantasy hockey. Right-handed shot. Another big name who's expected to go off the board early in next year's draft. Not as big as Dickinson, a little bit on the smaller side, but what what, what can you tell us about Henry Muse? Yeah, I think the the thing that you probably want to do is is compare and contrast Muse with a guy like Zane Correct, who we already talked about. Both of them project as more offensive types uh, at the NHL level. Muse maybe has a frame that could withstand a, a little more muscle i think than, than correct they're built a little bit differently even though they're similar size the skating is really good really high end i think there is a, a fair amount of two-way potential but with music it's the decision making right that's the consistent part of his game it was last year as an ohl rookie it was at the Holinka gretzky cup where he did play a prominent role for canada and it has been through the start of this ohl season and teams are going to have to figure out is is this a processing thing? Is this an experience-based thing? Is this somebody who's trying to push their game past the level where he's capable of? There's a lot of different things that can go into it. I think that it has been better lately. I think that he's already better playing at a higher level than he was to start the OHL year and and at the Lincoln Gretzky, where I thought he was possibly Canada's least effective defender outside of maybe Ben Danford, who didn't have a terrific tournament. But I thought Muse was fairly inconsistent for Canada at that event, especially in comparison with some of the other defensemen on that team. Yeah, I, I think the big thing for Muse is just trying to figure out what that high-end upside is. Uh, are we looking at a really good two-way guy? Are we looking at just an offensive guy? Are we looking at somebody who's going to struggle to make that transition transition to the next level because the processing is not good enough, right? Uh, there's a lot of question marks there, and I think that 
it's going to take the whole year to to really figure out the answer to those questions, especially when we look at some of these other defensemen available that are more of that complete package, right? You, we've already talked about Sam Dickinson. There's Artem Levshunov from Michigan State. There's Adam Jurczyk in the Czech Republic or Czechia, sorry. We have quite a few complete package defenders uh, available this year. And where Muse sort of fits in, I think it remains to be seen. I think, and that that is exemplified by looking at some of the rankings, right? His his ranking is all over the place. Already to start this year, I've seen him in the top 10 and I've seen him out of the first round completely. So me personally, I, I'm kind of in that late first range for him right now. Uh, I see the upside. I'm still trying to figure out sort of where I stand with him. My partner, McKean's, my who works Ontario with me, Chase Roshan, is a huge Henry Muse fan. He loves Henry. He thinks he's on par with Sam Dickinson in terms of his upside and potential. And I mean, that's the glory of scouting, right? And that's why it's great to talk early in the year about these types of things, because I think a lot of people are still trying to figure things out. And for me, I'm still trying to figure out Henry Muse. I'm going to put you on the spot, Rock. If you're in a fantasy draft and it's your pick and you're picking for a defenseman, points only, and you got to choose between Muse and Sam Dickinson, who's your guy? I'm taking Dickinson because I think that they're, when I'm taking players in a fantasy draft, especially defensemen, I'm always looking for upside, but also a really high floor, right? And that's sort of where I see Dickinson. Uh, if he's going to be a really good two-way top pairing guy you're looking probably baseline at least 40 points a year right if he's playing some power play time and he's playing 25 24 minutes a night he's going to put up points it's just an inevitability right especially when you look at him not being completely devoid of skill this is somebody who who is a skilled defender maybe not on say zane Perex level but there is skill there so i think High end upside, we're looking at an Alex Petrangelo type who could sort of get into that 50, 60 point range. Low side, we're probably looking at that sort of Darnell nurse range. We're not we're not talking about, you know, a stay at home top pairing guy. We're we're not talking about like an Adam Larson or anything like that. We're we're right. talking about a guy that that is likely to be a premier two-way guy. And I just like the the safeness uh, of Dickinson over Muse. I just feel more confident that he's going to be a high-end NHL defender where at this current moment, I I can't say the same thing about Hughes. Uh, maybe I'll get there over the course of the year, but right now I'm definitely more confident in Dickinson. Would you draft him over Levnishov at Michigan State? Yeah, I, I would. Although I do really like Levnishov. I think he's had a great start to the year at Michigan State. I do really like both players, and I do believe both players deserve to be top 10 picks, but I'm going to fully admit I'm probably biased there just the fact that, that I absolutely love Dickinson and he's in my region. So I'm, I'm definitely more familiar there. Yeah. Okay. So you, you teased about the Misa brothers <laughs> and let's talk about Luke. He's a center with Mississauga Steelheads. Right now he's standing 5'10", 165. He's got 18 points through the first 12 games, six goals, 12 assists, not too shabby. He is the older brother of Michael Misa, as you mentioned, and he was drafted in ninth overall in the OHL in the, in the 2021 OHL draft. He's a November birth date. So the 17 year old, he's already got two full OHL seasons under his belt, scored 26 points 
in his rookie year and almost doubled it as a sophomore with 43 points. And right now he's on pace for a hundred plus point season. He's a, he's only a B ranked prospect so far and he needs to overcome some size concerns. Perhaps would be, maybe I'm thinking what the deficiencies are in his game. I'll let you uh, elaborate on that. So what is your scouting analysis on Misa and what do you think his projection is? Yeah. So um, Misa is the, epitome of why we have that late draft year rule for players born later in the year because last year he didn't have the kind of sophomore year i think many people sort of expected i think that there was still slightness in his frame that prevented him from taking advantage of his skating ability which in my opinion is is among the best in this draft class so his game was predicated completely on his ability to get to get separation and if he didn't get it he wasn't creating and coming into this year, there were a lot of eyes on him because this is somebody that people had, myself included, high expectations for. And it could have gone two ways, right? It could have gone, okay, there is a continued struggle in terms of being a consistent point producer, or you know, he finally sort of takes hold of his place among the OHL elite forwards and We've seen the latter, which which is fantastic in that third year development. That's what you want to see from these guys, especially those late draft year guys. And as mentioned for for Luke, it's all about speed. He he loves to create and transition. Absolutely dynamic player when he's got the puck on his stick and when he's moving. And that's when he's at his best when he's aggressive attacking. He's also not somebody who is a one dimensional player though, and I think that's where the value in is is this is somebody who competes hard on the back check who can kill penalties who can play a variety of different roles for the mississauga steelheads who've been sort of the surprise of the ohl for a lot of people not so much myself because i did talk about them in a few podcasts a few things early on the season that or in the preseason that they were my team that i thought was going to surprise people because they had so much young talent and if those younger players really took that step forward like visa like porter martone like Another player that we're going to talk about later in the podcast, the goaltender, Ryerson Leanders, they were going to be a force to be reckoned with, and, and they have been. And, and Misa has been right at the forefront of that. This is a, a really good, I think, projectable NHL center. I know that he's been playing a little bit on the wing, actually, this year. And, and maybe in, in a lot of ways, maybe by me calling him a center, maybe that's jumping again. Maybe the reason that he's played so well is the wing has sort of simplified things for him this year. And I think a case could be made for that. When we're looking at the high end upside here, though, we're looking at, I think, a middle six guy. I, I don't think Luke is is a top pairing guy at the NHL level. I, I've seen a few people sort of mention a name like, say, for example, Liam Foody, who was drafted out of the OHL, another sort of high speed guy people considered to be a middle six guy. He's had some problems sticking in the NHL and up being on waivers this year did get claimed, but he's had trouble sort of sticking past that fourth line role. I'm not going to get into it. I do think that his development was rushed, but I also am bringing it up for a reason because I do think Luke is a better offensive player, a more creative player, a more skilled player than Liam was at the same age. And I do think that that gives him Probably a similar projection to a guy like an Owen Beck. Uh, I think 
we're looking at a middle six guy who can play a lot of different roles at the NHL level because of his speed, because of his awareness. And that's going to have a lot of value. You mentioned B rated. I, I think that that's sort of right. I, I would probably have him that late first to like 45 range right now, which is, I would consider a B prospect at this point of the year. I think when you're throwing an A on a guy, you're feeling very confident about them being a first round grade. I think when you look at some of these B guys, they are guys that could be in that late first round, but scouts just want to, especially NHL central scouting just wants to get a little bit more information on them. And um, I think they're just looking for Luke to sustain that production over the course of the year. We saw last year, Luca Pinelli was right up at the top of the OHL scoring race for the first month and a half, two months. And then his play really dropped off a cliff in the second half to the point where, you know, he ended up being drafted in the mid rounds. Right. So I think we're just looking for Luke to sustain that production to show that he is capable of being a really high end offensive player in the OHL. More excited about Michael when his draft year comes around, then, right? He'll be, yeah, an a, he'll be an A player. That's and that's not a slight to Luke. We're talking about an exceptional status player here right. who is one of the hype or most hyped players in, in his age group. One less draft eligible player to hit you up with here, Brock, and then we'll move on to the, the draft sure. guys. Sure. Uh, Liam Greentree, right winger for the Windsor Spitfires. He's got 17 points through the first dozen games, eight goals, nine assists, a nice, nice balance there. That's one point four two points per game pace for those at home keeping score. He's another A ranked player by central scouting and he scored 25 goals 45 points in his rookie season and he was a second round pick in the ohl priority selection by windsor 34th overall he stands 6'2, 198 so that's pretty great size for a kid that's 17 years old you got to think that he could even he could even get a little bit bigger yet windsor's a pretty bad team this year which makes his play even more impressive not a great skater by all accounts but he's got excellent hands and shows some good hockey IQ, especially like IQ of an older player. Would like to see him develop more of an aggressive game, like physically aggressive for a player his size, but that might come with, you know, age and, and maturity and experience and confidence. That would certainly give him some more value in, you know, bangers kind of league. So is he going to be a top 20 pick? And is it, would he be worth it on, on points alone? Or would he be, are you expecting a more physical game from him? Yeah, he's a really, really interesting player. He's somebody I think that's flying under the radar a little bit because he played a very minimal role with Canada at the Holinka. And that early on in the year, that's sort of like a, a litmus, litmus test for at least the public sphere anyway. And with him sort of playing more of a bit role on that team, I don't think people really understood how good he is. And, and now with him sort of carrying a poor Windsor offense, I think he's really starting to show people that he deserves that A grade that that he received. He was an A grade, correct? Yes. Yeah. So with Green Tree, uh, I think you kind of undersold his skating ability. I don't think it's poor. I don't think it's it's anything that would be considered a strength. But he's got good edge work. He's somebody that does have that elusiveness to him moving east west. He's somebody who loves to actually to work east west because. His edge work is pretty good. He's pretty good on his skates in terms of his balance. Overall agility, I would say, is quite good for a player his size. 
the explosiveness, the speed, uh, I would say is just average. But when you look at how he creates and how he can get to that, that agility is almost, I would, I would say, more important. And it makes him a, a very hard player to contain because the skill level is also really high, especially for a player of his length who can protect the puck the way that he does with his strength, too. So just a guy that can beat you in a, in a multitude of ways, really high-end shot, just a really good overall offensive player and i think that looking at him as as a potential top 20 pick is something that i do see happening i think that it's going to come down to some of the other players in that range obviously but i I look at him and maybe like beckett seneca of oshawa two big wingers who have skill who can play a variety of different ways I see them both sort of getting into that top 20, top 25 range, given their length and potential. On points alone, yeah, I think we're looking at Green Tree as a a potential top six forward and not somebody who is going to play down the lineup. You did hit the nail on the head, though, in saying that his game is a work in progress physically. I think that, yes, he he is a big winger. I I wouldn't necessarily call him a, a power forward, though. He can find his way to the net, but he's not uh, a physical guy. We're, we're not calling, we're not confusing him with Tom Wilson anytime soon. And I don't think he's necessarily going to be the type that projects to be a, a physical workhorse at the NHL level. I think we're looking at more of like a higher end skill guy who just happens to be bigger. Light the lamp with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. We'd like to start getting into some guys who've already been drafted this past season. There's nobody hotter in the OHL right now than Hunter Bruskevich. Right-handed defenseman drafted by the Canucks. And <laughs> Thanks, Pete. Third round, 75th overall. He's on fire. Currently leads OHL in scoring as a defenseman. Five goals, 19 assists, 24 points. Everyone's talking about this guy. Only 8% fan tracks rostered, which I find interesting. What's the lowdown on this guy? And I'm I'm wondering why, like, I'm curious as why he's, his, his ownership is just so low right now. Yeah, I mean, all of Kitchener is on fire. Yeah. They brought in a new coach from, from Finland, UC Ahokas, who has done an amazing job with this Kitchener Rangers team that a lot of people thought we're going to be rebuilding this year. They thought they, this is uh, myself included, that this would be a team that would kind of find themselves in the middle of the pack of the Western conference and end up moving some pieces out to try to recoup some of the assets that they've moved out in recent years. And, you know, his philosophy, the way that, that he has ignited this Kitchener team has been unbelievably impressive. And he is getting, the absolute most out of every player on that roster currently. And he has brought out an inner beast in Bruce Davich. And this is a guy that is a later birthday. So yes, he, he is a little bit older than some of the players potentially and likely his last OHL year. He is also somebody though, how that prior to coming to the OHL and, and one of the main reasons that he did come to the OHL was the injuries and ice time issues that he had as part of the national development team program lost pretty much an entire year with them from injury when he returned he was more of like their sixth 
seventh defender decided to come to the OHL and play in Kitchener. And it's looking like a, a pretty good decision, in my opinion. I think that last year we saw him really start to come out of his shell, especially later in the year. Um, I think that he was much better in the second half of, of the OHL season. And I think that sort of was foreshadowing what we're seeing now. Maybe not quite at the level that we're seeing, but I do think expecting him to be much better this year was an obvious thing. And we're just seeing a player that's way more confident with the puck. He's taking those chances. He's pushing deeper into the offensive zone rather than, you know, just escaping um, his own blue line and relying on forwards to carry up. He's somebody that's leading that charge offensively. And he's somebody that is making plays inside the offensive zone, playing deep inside the offensive zone. He's one of the best in the OHL at holding the offensive blue line. Just a really, really smart and heady player who knows how to create. And I think that his footwork is much better now this year. I think that especially his explosiveness, I think that his ability to, to use C cuts and get up ice in terms of his agility was always a strength. And I think that sort of goes in hand in hand with that lateral quickness that's needed to hold the offensive blue line, like I mentioned. But I think that his linear explosiveness and his ability to, to lead the rush has improved a ton because that quickness is has improved. And this is somebody who is finally sort of reaching the potential that we thought he had at a younger age. When he was like a U15, U14 player, Brustewicz was thought to be possibly the best defender in the age group or one of the best defenders in the age group. He was somebody that was projected to be a high, high uh, OHL draft selection. And I think we're starting to really see that potential fulfilled. He has, he has a similar size now with uh, Henry Muse that we had just talked about. What do, you, what do you project his timeline to make in the Canucks roster? Are we looking at two to three years? Maybe two? Yeah, I think that's definitely very fair. Uh, I wouldn't say one. I don't think this is somebody that's going to jump right from the OHL to the NHL next year. I think this is somebody that is going to need some time at the HL level. We've seen sort of a steady progression over his OHL career. Again, part of that is the late start that he had to getting to the OHL coming from the National Development Team program. Part of it is the injuries that he had at the program. But I do think that he's going to need some time to get used to defending uh, at the AHL level and building up confidence offensively at the AHL level. I think we're looking at a two or three year timeline. Yeah. Well, that sounds like the kind of player that people listen to this podcast for 8% fan tracks, rostership leading the entire hockey league in scoring as a defenseman. And he's a third round pick by the Vancouver Canucks. So even if he kind of cools down a little bit, you'll still be able to sell him high to Canucks fans. So anyone who wants to look him up on Fantrax and see if he's available in your league, his last name, which is a mouthful, is spelt B-R-Z-U-T-E-W-I-C-Z. It's not as hard as Jack Eye, but it's not easy. So let's move on. Let's talk about some maybe a little bit more familiar name. Philip Meshar, right wing, another Kitchener Rangers. This is turning into the Kitchener Rangers show. He was drafted in 2022 in the first round, 26 overall by the Montreal Canadiens out of Slovakia, which gave the Montreal Canadiens some options as to, to where to dispatch him in his draft plus one year. 
which started off in the American Hockey League. He had a cup of coffee there. I think he had like one game or two, and then he was sent back to the OH or sent to the OHL, where he scored 51 points in 52 games as a rookie and had six more points in the World Junior Championship for Slovakia as well. Fast forward to this season, pretty similar scenario so far. He started the year in the American Hockey League. He had one point in two games. And then he's been returned to the Ontario Hockey League Kitchener Rangers, where he had two points in his first game back. I think he's played a second game since then. So his I don't know if his point per game pace is still two points or not. But he's 14% fan tracks rostered. You guys at McKean's Brock, you have him ranked as the seventh overall prospect in the yearbook on the Montreal Canadiens prospect depth chart, which is exactly where we had him on the Dauber Prospects organizational rankings. Same thing. He's a skilled, undersized player. What are you what are you guys projecting or what are you specifically projecting for him in his second tour of duty in the OHL? Is he a player that we could see eclipsing 100 points? I mean, firstly, I'm just really glad that the Canadians made this decision. I think it should have been a decision that was made at the start of the year. I did not think, based on what I saw of his play last year, that he was ready for the AHL. And we saw that. He was having a hard time getting in that deep lineup in Laval. He was a healthy scratch at times. And it was, to me, that's just silly. You've invested a first-round draft selection in a player that has significant offensive upside. and scratching him at the AHL level when you have other options, right? And I think they probably saw that, again, the job that Mr. Hocus has done in Kitchener and, and thought, you know, this is going to be a great environment for Philip to develop in. And yeah, like you said, so far, four points in two games, playing on a line with two overagers and Matthew Sopp and Mitchell Martin, which is good. I think that's perfect for, for Philip because... I think he's always going to be one of those guys that needs other guys to sort of do the dirty work for him. I think that this is a high skill guy that's best with the puck on his stick, but he's not going to be somebody that can create sort of his own space on the ice. And I think playing with two OAs, especially a guy like Mitchell Martin, who's sort of a power winger, we'll call him, I think is going to really help him in, in his development in Kitchener. I think he's going to have a really strong year for the Rangers. And I think it's going to ultimately be a really good decision to send him back. I think in terms of his upside, I don't think my opinion has changed. I think that he's somebody that I do think, uh, I'm not going to call him a, I don't, I don't want to use this word that I'm going to use. I do think that there are safer players than Philip Mishar. I think that he still has insane offensive upside. And when we're talking about, the reason for the show, right? Fantasy purposes. This is somebody, if he makes the NHL, it's going to be in a top six role. He's not going to play for the Montreal Canadiens in a third or fourth line role. If Philip Mishar develops appropriately, he's going to be a fixture in their top six. And he's going to be probably a guy that is at least uh, a consistent 50-point guy, right? How likely that is remains to be determined. And I think that's going to be the one thing that I'm really looking for. Uh, admittedly, I haven't seen either of those two games yet in Kitchener to really gauge any sort of improvements and development. So yeah, I'm going to have to get to Kitchener and watch him play soon and, and see if he's improved on say, for example, the strength that that was the biggest thing I noticed last year is that he was kept at the perimeter way too often. And that sort of made me 
hesitant to believe that his game could translate. And that's going to be the big thing I'm looking for this year is can he get to the middle? Can he play between the knots, the dots and not uh, be kept to the outside? Yeah. And continuing on Kitchener Ranger talk show hour here, Carson Refkoff, <laughs> center left wing, drafted in the second round by 50th overall by the Seattle Kraken. His trajectory has kind of skyrocketed from 33 points to uh, 59 in his draft year. Now he's on pace for close to 130. 5% fan tracks rostered. What can you tell us about this guy? Is this guy somebody we should be holding on for two, three years down the road? Yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> he should be higher rostered than that. Look, this is a guy that I loved as an NHL draft prospect last year. We had him ranked fairly aggressively at McKean's. I wrote, I wrote a lot of things about Rakoff last year for McKean's because I was a big fan of his game. Really, the only thing he didn't have last year was consistency. There were games where he was by far the best player on the ice. And there were games where, unless you were looking for him, you wouldn't have found him. And it could have gone one of two ways. And I'm really glad that it's gone the way of him being just a consistent force this year. It was like that in the preseason. It's been like that in the regular season for the OHL. This is somebody who has taken a massive step forward in his development, and he's really put it all together this year. He is a physical force. He can score with one of the best shots in the OHL. Um, he can play a variety of different roles because of that physicality. This is a really good NHL prospect that I think Seattle kind of stole last year only because the consistency issues were were a major concern because you don't know. You don't know how a player is going to develop that area of the game, if they have that killer instinct or not, right? We've seen other guys drafted in that second round range, especially or late first range, who have had a similar profile to Rakoff, kind of that physical toolsy type of forward, right? And sometimes they just don't develop. Sometimes that that killer instinct just isn't there. Sometimes that engagement level isn't there and it never develops and they kind of level off and plateau and we see them kind of resting on their physical ability playing against younger players uh, at the junior level. We're not seeing that from Raycroft. This is a guy who is playing consistently at a high level this year and I don't think that's going to change. Uh, I think he's really emerging as a quality NHL prospect, kind of the similar way that we we saw Matthew Poitra do last year in the OHL. He was somebody that really took a massive, massive step forward with Guelph last year to become one of the best players in the OHL. Now we're seeing him playing with the Boston Bruins. And I, I'm not saying that Carson Rakoff is going to be with the Seattle Kraken next year doing what Poitra is doing. I'm just saying that development at this age is very unpredictable. It's it's non-linear. Not all players develop the same. And I think that when we look at a player like Rakoff and his profile, where the only thing that was missing was really that consistency, now that we're seeing it, I think we have to move him pretty aggressively up the list as long as it continues. He slot in as a center, the Kraken, you think? Or is he going to start um, the wing? I think that's to be determined. I think how his playmaking ability develops further across his OHL year this year, and if he's in the OHL again next year, I think that's going to be the big thing as to whether he sticks down the middle with that big point shot 
or with that with that big shot, sorry, not point shot, with that big shot, there's going to be maybe a tendency to slide him to the wing at the pro level, especially with his physical tools as well, with his ability to forecheck. So we'll we'll see where he ends up slotting. I think that's to be determined. All right. So the next guy up here, Brock, is Easton Cowan. I mentioned, spoiler alert, London Knights 5'11", 185, drafted in the first round by the Leafs to a lot of people's surprise. 23rd overall, there were some oohs and ahs in Nashville when that happened, I remember. He had a slow start to his OHL career. He was a second-round pick by London, and he only played seven OHL games as a rookie. As we mentioned earlier, London doesn't really throw a lot of ice time at rookies, and that was the case with Cowan. However, he made up for it last year in his draft year with 20 goals and 53 points. Pretty good impression there, enough to get a first-round selection. He's got 12 points through the first seven games. That's 1.71 points per game pace. And there was some, yeah, there was some raised eyebrows, like I said, on the draft floor. I don't think you were one of those people that was raising your eyebrow. I think you were saying, that's not a bad pick, everybody. Don't be too quick to judge. I'd really like to get a little revisionist history of what what you said at the draft there. And uh, if you're standing by your, your statement at that time and how are we feeling about his projection now? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I remember at the time, I don't know if it was you standing beside me or not, but when I saw Wes Clark go up to announce that Leafs selection, I said, look out, this could be Easton Cowan here. And sure enough, it was Easton Cowan. And a lot of people were sort of overreacting at the draft, in my opinion, and not just at the draft, but on social media. It, it was incredible. And these are people that have never seen Ethan Cowan play. I guarantee you that a lot of those people that were commenting had never really seen him play. They looked at the point totals and they thought the Leafs have wasted a first round selection. I can tell you then, I can tell you now that they have not. And I think with his performance in the NHL preseason, I think he won a lot of Leafs fans over. And I don't think we're hearing the same sort of criticisms anymore. And Look, Easton Cowell was one of the best players in the OHL playoffs last year. Draft eligible or not. And now we're seeing that carry over to this OHL season where he's using his experience at NHL camp to vault himself into the upper echelon of OHL players this year. The confidence level with the puck is at a, a much higher level. He's just taking over shifts the way that you would expect an NHL first-round selection to do. I'm still, I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider Easton Cowan a, a future first-line player. Uh, I don't think it would be fair to call him that. I don't think that Leafs fans should be expecting him to be a consistent like 70 or 80-point guy. We're not talking about that. I think the realistic expectation for Easton Cowan is that he can develop into the next Zach Hyman Michael Bunting type for this team that can slot in beside guys like Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Willie Nylander, and has the skill, has the sense, has the tenacity to play with those types of players and put up points. I don't think he's a primary play driver at the NHL level, but I do think that he can play in a top six, top nine at the NHL level because his game is is so well-rounded. and that tenaciousness is going to really, really help him uh, at the NHL level when you combine it with 
uh, some high-end skill and some high-end processing. Nice. It's starting to look like the Leafs are, are making good on some of their, their recent early picks there with Cowan and Fraser Mitten and Matthew Nyes. Too bad about Rody and Amirov. That was that was tragic. We'll never know there. But yeah, good on good on the Leafs. One last player I wanted to pick your brain on, Brock, here is R2 Karki. I should have got should have got Evan to pronounce this name for me. Finnish left shot defenseman with the Sioux Greyhound. He stands 6'2 is 176. And he was a 2023 third round pick, 96 overall by the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, he was seventh overall in the import draft as well. So he had a good draft summer. So far, he's off to over a point a game with 14 points through the first 16 games. Another Cy Young defenseman. What is up with that? He's got 12 goals and four assists. Only 2% fan tracks rostered at this, si- at this time. He's got size. Well, he's tall, at least six foot two, but kind of rail thin by the sounds of it at 176. I've never actually seen him in person, but I'm picturing a tall, skinny kid. Mobility is is a is an offensive talent. That's my extent of my scouting report on him. Uh, Maybe you can elaborate that for me a little bit. Uh, Does he have some fantasy upside that's under the radar here at two percent Fantrax rostered? Yeah, I mean, the the shot is an absolute cannon. And that's where he's really been dangerous uh, with the Sioux Greyhounds so far this year. If you were to bring up like a heat map of his goals this year, the red dot would be like fixated on one particular area of ice. And I don't think there'd be anything outside of that. If you were to clip all of his goals together from the same camera angle, they would all look the exact same. Is that basically? He no, he's actually working sort of the right face-off dot. So they've got him down low at the right dot. And he is just absolutely hammering pucks from there. And it's funny because I was actually chatting with the guys who run the OHL social media and, and run all of the content there, in particular Kyle Watson. And he was like, man, it's, it's unreal. Like all these goals are the exact same. Like how is, nobody, how is nobody defending this yet? Literally, it is the exact same play over and over. And it's his ability to find those soft spots and really help move the puck to to get him the, those opportunities. I think is is a highlight um, inside the offensive zone. He's he's been great, and I think it it does show that the offensive upside, especially as a power play guy, as a point producer, is going to be pretty high. And um, this is no fluke. This is a guy who can really rip the puck and who does have a, a pretty good sense in the offensive zone to get himself open for these shooting opportunities. I'm sure teams are game planning for this, yet he just keeps scoring from the same area, same area. If you look at the OHL account, they actually did just put out a highlight package of his that showed all of these goals from that right dot. And it's it's almost borderline comical how similar they all are. Even one, there was one recently where it was like a two-on-one and he still ended up settling right at the right face-off dot and hammering a one-timer went on a two-on-one so still absolutely hilarious the decision making with the puck in the defensive zone i think needs to get cleaned up i think his defensive play needs to get cleaned up a little bit but those are two areas that i find import defenders really struggle with in the first half of the year with that smaller ice the decision making just needs to be that much more dialed in there's less time Right. And I'm really curious to see how 
the other components of his game develop over the course of a year. But right now, that that one-timer from the right side, absolutely lethal. I would highly recommend everybody go to the OHL social media page and, and find that R2 Karki highlight package because it's impressive. You know, the scouting report on, on Brad Hall and Alex Ovechkin was, was kind of similar. He, they were always scoring from the same spot and no one could ever figure out how to shut those guys down. That's just what, that's what good goal scorers do. They just, they just score no matter what you do. All right, so that's that's an interesting player there. Only 2%, like I said, owned. His last name is spelled K-A-R-K-I. If you want to look him up on your Fantrax League and see if he's still available. That's all the, that's all the time and the guys we got for today, Brock. Man, I can't thank you enough for, for coming on and, and really giving us goods on, on who's hot and who's off to a good start in the OHL. Draft eligible prospects for people to stash on their prospect bench and, and some draft eligible guys. To, to do some research for and put on your draft list for for the drafts and next summer when it rolls around. So for anyone who has been living under a rock and, and doesn't know where to find your work, Brock, go ahead and do a little self-promotion and tell us where we can find you on Twitter or, or X and more importantly, where we can find your, your articles because those are those are dynamite. Yeah, so you find me at Brock Otten on, on X. I still have trouble calling it that. I don't know. I right. just, yeah, I don't know. And obviously my work at McKean's Hockey as a scouting director there, we've got a great team, great content. I just put out a, a recent article that looked at four of my favorite draft eligible players so far this year. We talked about one of them in Liam Greentree. So you can get some inter- introduction to his style of play in his game with some video clips and things on the McKean's website. I believe that that article is still unlocked right now. So not just for subscribers. And then obviously my work at OHL Prospects, which has been long, long, long running. Yes, it has. I've been a frequent visitor to the OHL Prospects blog for longer than either of us care to admit, I think. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Brock, thanks very much for your time again tonight. Really appreciate it, man. Keep your stick on the ice, pal. Yeah, thanks, Pete. Always a pleasure. All right. Take care. Well, that's it for episode number 30, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to the Dauber Prospect Report, driving to the show, liking us, and giving us a five-star review. We really appreciate it. If you want to have some feedback on the show or chat with us, you can follow us on Twitter at CPR underscore show. I'm at Farling. Victor is Victor Nuno 12. And Evan is Sabarin 91. Don't forget to follow HockeyPodNet, all the great podcasts on the network there. And of course, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Give us a five-star review, please. It really helps us show out a lot. Thanks for listening to the OHL report and the WHL report the week before. Coming up next week, we'll be talking about, you guessed it, the Q. Till then, keep your stick on the ice. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. Let's do that hockey.